0: I wanted to micromanage because I felt like I could do it better. So I would just take on more and more and I became the bottleneck for my team for sure. But also I didn't give my team the ability to grow.
1: Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. Bad bosses. We, we've all had them. I once had a boss who called me into his office, pointed out the window at one of my guys, and said, I want you to fire him. Because if he walks that slowly across the parking lot, he must code that slowly. I kid you not, Well, horrible bosses made for an uproariously funny movie, the film's storyline shows Jason Bateman, Jason Sudeikis, Charlie Day plotting the ultimate demise of their horrible bosses. It made for a funny movie, but bad bosses are not really a laughing matter. Today's guest is John Rauda. John is the IT director for cable network INSP out of South Carolina he also hosts a Geek Leader podcast. Welcome to the show, John.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: Uh, it's going pretty well. It's a, it's a good day. So, John, let's start there. What's your best, or would that be your worst, bad boss story?
0: Oh, man. So, uh, this takes me back a few years. I was the manager of a web and mobile development team, and um, I actually had a boss send me an instant message asking me and me and one of my employees instant message to both of us to come into his office. And I was like, okay, I don't know what this is about. So we walked into his office and sat down and then as soon as uh, I came in first and then the employee came in after me and he sat down and my boss at the time looked at the other guy and says, so John here uh, told me that he's gonna be putting you on a PIP. So I just wanted you to be aware that he's putting you on a performance improvement plan and John, tell him why you're doing that. And <laughs> complete shot you know I had no clue I had had no idea why I'd put this guy on a pip he was a great employee I gave him a great review but I had to come up with something on the spot because I knew if I didn't I'd probably be on a pip myself
1: yeah holy cow what a way to put you on the spot in front of one of your guys that's uh that's bad yeah so as you look back over your career what do you learn from bad bosses
0: uh, the number one thing I learned, I think, is how not to be a bad boss, uh, or at least at least some of the ways out. Um, but also perspective. I learned about perspective that different people have different perspectives. and this guy's mind, he is not being a bad boss. He's doing what he feels is necessary to improve the situation. Now he's he's not trained, he's not educated in leadership the way that you know I think someone should be, but he's doing what he thinks is best, and he has a different perspective of the outcome that that I would have.
1: So, did you ever find yourself picking up bad habits from these bosses that, that maybe weren't uh, trained or not bad people, just not good bosses?
0: Yeah, from time to time. A lot of times, I know before I became a manager, or when I first became a manager, I thought that I had to manage the way that my managers managed me. And sometimes I had good managers, sometimes I had bad. And what I would find most apparent that would come out from the, the bad leadership or bad bosses that I had was the, the language that they used. I would use some of the same languages, some of the same terminology and some of the same, you know, demeaning ways of talking to people. And it didn't mean to be that way, but it would just come out because that's the way my boss talked to me. So I'm going to talk to them the same way.
1: Yeah, you, you you start to mimic that for sure. Um, I know I had uh, I had a boss that was really a micromanager. So you know, the first time I tried to lead a team, that was the way I behaved as well because I thought that's the way you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until you start to learn and grow that uh, you really see. Well, maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a different way. You had some struggles as uh, as a leader when you first got into a leadership role. Can you kind of tell that story to our audience about those struggles?
0: Yeah. So when I first became a manager, um, it was kind of one of those situations where the company didn't really have leadership training yet. Uh, luckily, that company does now, so they're helping their managers out in a in a more adept way. But it was more like, you're a good software developer. Why don't you manage software developers? And I got into that situation where I wanted to micromanage because I felt like I could do it better. So I would just take on more and more. And I became the bottleneck for my team for sure. But also I didn't give my team the ability to grow. I, I, they always felt like they were being watched heavily. And I had a lot of turnover. I, at one point I had the highest turnover in the company for my team. I even had two people quit on the, the exact same day. Oh, so wow. I definitely was not the best <laughs> boss for sure. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of where it started. And then, uh Luckily, I got a mentor that kind of really helped me out and set the stage for the direction that I needed to go by pointing out some of the obvious faults in my my mind that I kind of couldn't see.
1: I think a lot of times it's hard as uh, as technologists to move up through the ranks and then all of a sudden you become either a manager of the people that used to be your peers or I know in my case, I was uh, managing the team that was responsible for a large application. And that application had been my baby for seven or eight years. I was, the, uh, I was the lead developer. I was the one that was on call 24 by seven. And to let go of that and let my team be my team and be who they could be was a difficult lesson. Is that part of what you were struggling with at that time?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. It was hard to um, let go. It, also, you kind of felt awkward being someone's boss when you were their peers for a while. Yeah. And being an introvert myself, it's, it's it's awkward to talk to people anyway, especially when you, know, you were their peer and now you're their boss and you felt like you do a better job than them and also feel like everybody knows you do a better job than them because you got promoted and they didn't. Um, but in reality, that's not the case. And you kind of also have to think back that I, I see that I'm doing a better job from my perspective, but my perspective isn't always reality. I think when I first became a manager, my first role was like six direct reports and I couldn't get past the fact that I I felt like I could do each one of their jobs better than they could. But in reality, if I did that, I was the bottleneck. And even if they could only do, you know, 20% as good as I could do, we would get more done with those six people. And I couldn't think about that. I I kept thinking, oh, you know, why are you coding it this way? Why, why are you using that framework versus, okay, that's a different approach. And it might be not quite as efficient as, as I would do it, but it's a different way. And it it gets the job done. It's still making things happen. And then eventually they all surpassed me in their skill set and their knowledge. And that's the way it should
1: be. You touched on a couple of things there. And I think the first one is, I think it's it's really hard when you're in that management role or supervisor role for the first time. It feels like it takes longer to teach than it is to just do it. You know i could explain how to do it to you but it would take me far longer i'm just going to sit down and do it and that sounds like part of what you were experiencing with that team was it just a matter of time that enabled you to get through that or did you use other techniques to try to to let go a little bit more
0: uh it's a little bit of both i mean the one of the first things that happened is um My company offered a formal uh, leadership training, which I thought was awesome. So I went to it and um, all all new managers, I think, that were managing less than three years had to go to it. And during that, um, all the executive vice presidents or higher had to, they all gave a little speech about leadership and how they got to where they're at and some of the things that they learned along the way. And they all, at the end of their speech, it was almost like they were coached to do this. They had to say, if you're interested in having a mentor, reach out to me and we'll talk about it. So I emailed every single one of them, which probably isn't the best approach. I probably should have called them. But I emailed them all and said, hey, I want to be uh, your mentee. I'm interested in having you as a mentor. And I got rejected by all of them except for one. <laughs> um, and they all had different reasons. Some of them were very valid and fair. You know, Some of them were honest and said, I'm not a good mentor. Uh, I don't believe in half the stuff I just said out there. I just had to do it for HR. <laughs> And other ones told me that they were about to retire. So they didn't want to take on anything and some were too busy. But one guy who was in sales, which is kind of the, in my opinion, at the time, it was the opposite of of software developers. You know, it's extroverted. They're outgoing. And he's like, sure, I'll take on you. He's like, I don't know anything about IT. I don't know anything about technology. I probably won't be helpful. But yeah, why not? And. It was eye-opening. I mean, it was. He saw, I saw things from a different perspective. I saw the perception of technology in someone outside of technology's eyes for the first time. But one of the things when people were quitting, I, I mentioned, I was like, yeah, I had two people quit today. You know, they're just paying better in Charlotte because I was just outside of the city at the time. And uh, he goes, no, I don't think that's it. I said, well, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure it is. He goes, no, nah, it's probably the way that you're you're leading them. It's probably you. Oh, no, I can't be. It can't be. Like, <laughs> Why don't you pick up a couple of leadership books and just mosey your way through them and tell me what you think. So you recommended a couple and I started reading them. And sure enough, as I was reading them, I'm like, oh my God, that's how I talk to people. And I shouldn't do that. It, just, it was just like a, an awakening of ideas and thoughts and things that I was doing wrong that I needed to correct course and do better. And when I went through that process of reading these books, it kind of enlightened me. And I thought, well, how else can I consume information? And I sort of started watching TED Talks and started pulling out anything yeah. I could about leadership. And that's, that's kind of what set me in the right path.
1: So how long did you work with the mentor from sales?
0: Still working with him. Uh, not not really? nearly as, okay. as often. Okay. Um, I'm at a different company now, but we still uh, grab lunch from time to time. And I still ask him questions. It was a formal one-year uh, mentorship. And once that was over, uh, we continued to get together all the way up until I, when I left there. I thought our, our relationship may end, but we still continue to do lunch on a regular basis. I saw him not too long ago, as a matter of fact.
1: That's great. That must mean that he gets as much out of the relationship as you do. And I think that's one of the one of the benefits of either being a mentor or being a mentee. What other things do you think it helped you with in your career to have a mentor?
0: Well, I definitely I mentioned it just briefly was perspective that I saw a perspective yeah. of how someone outside of technology sees technology and he he recommended uh that I look at how I can market my team to the companies outside of technology. So you need to think about it, a, a perception. Right now, people see that they give IT projects and they're always late over budget and usually they don't come back with what they asked for anyway. And yeah. I said, oh, well, that's because they're asking for the wrong thing. You know, I had this arrogant <laughs> approach. And he said, well, well, think of it this way. What if you reached out to human resources because you wanted to hire someone and you gave them these requirements of someone that you're looking for and they sent you the exact opposite or something else. And they said, well, this is really what you need, not what you're looking for. I, I'd be furious. He's like, well, that's the approach that we get. You know, got me to see that idea that I needed to to market myself better. So I started setting up yep. meetings with different uh, department heads and vice presidents, and talking about their issues and explaining the why this came out a certain way, and just putting that face to my team that wasn't there before because we were kind of like a black box. They just threw requests into, and they occasionally got software back out of it. So that was probably one of the most beneficial things to my career.
1: I, I think it's I think it's interesting, and and you. You've touched on both sides of this thus far. You described yourself as an introvert and you described your mentor as uh, an extrovert. And I find it interesting because if you look at this stereotypical IT professional, I think most people would describe us as introverts. And so your mentor was able to help you see techniques and strategies that were kind of outside your comfort zone to be able to do that. So have you used other techniques in your career to break through, quote unquote, the introversion and become more communicative throughout the organization?
0: Uh, yes. <laughs> um, one of them is speaking, you know, speaking in front of people. And that's also one of the reasons why I started my podcast, you know, a geek leader was to get better at talking in front of people and also to put myself out there. So I was held accountable for the things that I was saying, because I would read these leadership things and I would try to take something from it and try to apply it. But then I would give up after a little bit because it didn't work out well. So I thought if I put myself out there, I I would be held more accountable, but also just going out to meetups as much as I hated talking to people. (laughs) um, I found that that was valuable. And at one point I did this, (laughs) I actually required all of my team members to speak at a meetup as part of their performance review. They had one year to speak at a meetup because we were all introverted at the time. And I thought that would be a way to make us be more comfortable being uncomfortable and If we could talk in front of people that were total strangers about a topic, then surely we could talk about it to our team and and get more comfortable with doing that. So I had them set up um, lunch and learns every month, but I had them do a once a quarter, one person on the team would have to present during that lunch and learn. And then I told them whatever they presented there, I wanted you to try to take that outside and do it at a meetup somewhere. So that was kind of one way to stretch them that also helped me too, because I would do the same. I was like, if I have to ask them to do it, I have to do it too.
1: How did that go over with your, with your team?
0: Uh, Not very well at first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, They hated it, but I tried to explain to them the reasons why I was doing it. And then when I did it first, it kind of said, okay, well, he's serious about this and he's serious enough to do it himself. And they all knew I was kind of introverted. I mean, I was the guy that was sat in the queue before I got promoted with headphones in, even though they weren't plugged into anything,
1: just so nobody would come talk to me. Oh God, that's pretty funny. (laughs) So you you started doing that, and so you were modeling that behavior for them. As an introvert, I hated it when a boss would force me, again, using air quotes that no one can see, force me to go out and do things outside my comfort zone like that. But I also found like it sounds like your team did, that you learn by having that experience, you learn and grow. And now I'm very similar to you in that I seek those opportunities out of what's, what's going to make me the most uncomfortable and help me grow more because it's that uncomfortableness that is, uh, that's your growth. That's what's the uncomfortable piece about it. So what other things have you done in your career, John, that kind of reaches outside that comfort zone?
0: Mm, That's a really good question. So I think about it like this, you you, you know how someone's on, how someone does CrossFit, it's because yeah, they always yeah. talk about CrossFit. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things where like when you train for something, you get better at it and you start to like to do it a little bit. And the same thing happened with running for me. I started running. I hated running. Like running the first mile was always brutal. But once I got past that, I felt good about myself for doing it. And speaking kind of went the same way. When I started speaking at events or conferences, I started to like it and I got better at it. And that's also true, I think, with, um, with things that stretch you in ways. We implemented uh, Scrum. This is many, many years ago. We switched over from kind of a waterfall project management to more agile. We implemented Scrum and the team hated the standups. They hated the daily meetings. They hated the, the self-organizing fact of, just can you just give me what to do? Just tell me what to do and I'll just do it. Don't don't let me pick. I want to pick something. I don't want to have to do this. But when they got used to it and they got more comfortable with it, they Thought, okay, now that I can do that, I also know I can do this too. They started becoming more yeah. leaders as themselves. And I think the same thing is true with stretching yourself as far as, you know, the introversion and kind of stretching that muscle and exercising it. I know now when I go to a conference, um, I used to just sit in the the sessions and try to take notes and, and not talk to anybody and get back to my hotel room as quickly as I can. Now, whenever I go to a conference, I only book every other session and I spend the sessions in between in the hall, what I call the hallway track. And I find someone else that's out there and I try to go talk to them. And it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes you, you know, people think you're a stalker or something like that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, But yeah, you yeah. learn more about the, the way that they're building tools or software, the way that they're um, managing their DevOps or the way that they're, they're using the cloud in far greater detail and more applicable to your company and what, the things that you're doing than you would if you just sat in a session where someone was trying to give you the highlight reels
1: instead of the behind the yeah. scenes. I love that, the hallway track. Next conference I go to, I'm going to register for the hallway track. That's a a a great way of describing (laughs) it. So let's get back to uh, mentors and mentees. You were telling the story of the sales leader that was a mentor. Have you had other mentors throughout your career?
0: No really official mentors other than him at the point, but uh, what I have had is mentees. And I I get just as much value from a mentee, if not more than I did from my mentor. I kind of call it reverse mentoring. Um, Uh You know, I I took up a mentee at one point, sort of by accident. Well, it was by accident from my part, but it was very intentional on his part. And I've learned more about drive, determination, and what, what someone can do from him than I did from anything that I did, that I did myself for my career. And I'll just tell this brief story, if you don't mind. No, no, no. Go ahead. So I teach part time at the local university, and I had some openings for software developers on on my team. My students know where I work full time, and then I teach part time. And he had noticed that I had an opening, so he applied for those positions, and then he came to me in my, during my office hours and said, "Hey, I noticed you had an opening. What do I need to do to be qualified for that opening?" And I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit because you know I hear this a lot from students <laughs> that are not really fully committed to to certain things and. Uh, So I gave him this list of technologies that we use and software frameworks you should be aware of and be familiar with this and that and kind of sent him off and didn't really expect to hear from him again. And about three months later, he showed up at my office again, and he had printed up certificates of, from back then it was lynda.com and Plural site that he had taken these courses and he had paid for both of them on his own, subscriptions to both of those services, and he had taken courses on every one of those frameworks and languages that I mentioned and showed me that he had passed the... Wow. course for each one of those and he said do you think i can have an interview the next time you have an opening i was like absolutely so i ended up hiring this guy and he was a great employee and then when i left the company and i told him many times because he had asked will you be my mentor so i'm not going to mentor a direct report to me that's just not fair I, i'm very conscious about how other people view things I'm not going to do it yeah. and uh, as soon as i left the company like the day i told my team that i was quitting <laughs> he's like so you'll be my mentor now right and i was like you oh, got wow. it. and uh, So I've been going to lunch with him and his persistency, his uh, drive has kind of rubbed off on me a little bit. I get more from that relationship, I think, than I do from the other one.
1: Yeah. Boy, the persistence. And uh, you must have really struck a chord with him in your classroom and your style to have him have that kind of drive to want to be a mentee. You mentioned you don't mentor the members of your team yet. When we talk about, uh, in preparation for this interview, we were talking about your team, and it sounds like you have mentored the team as Mm -hmm. a whole. You've done some unique things with your team that has helped build that community within your team. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you guys have done to do that?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't want to single out anybody on my team, but I do um, I do try to lead everybody and develop everybody on the team to be better people. Um, I've set up a couple of things, and I've done different things with different teams that I've kind of led over the years. With my um, first management team, when it was going really bad, I tried to you know right the ship. I hired some different people. I, I worked really hard on improving them by doing those lunch and learns on a regular basis. And then I started volunteering with the team. And I think that's the one thing that kind of set that team apart because we had no um, cohesiveness. We we weren't really good working together. But we started picking out these like one hour things we could do during lunch, like serving at a soup kitchen or something like that. Those grew over time. We started doing it once a quarter and then we started doing it monthly. And then the team started picking their own. And at one point, somebody on the team had this idea that we would do a habitat build. It would be remodeling a house for habitat. And we would all take a week's worth of PTO together and go do it the whole team agreed and we did it. It was phenomenal and amazing that we had six people that would all take PTO and go do something together right. volunteering. And it didn't even come from the manager, it came from somebody on, on that team. But doing the, the serving together really brought the team together and helped them see what people were like outside of work. And every time we did do a volunteer event together. Like we started doing three or four hour events where we would go and play with kids or go to the nursing home and play cars with people, or we pressure washed at an orphanage, all the, all the playground equipment and just little things like that. You would think that, oh, you just lost three hours of productivity times six people, but we would come back and we would still get all the work done. It wasn't like we were slowing yeah. down. It, it inspired them and motivated them in a way to actually get more work done, even though we were gone for a period of the time.
1: Well, and it, and it built that team and a team's going to perform better and be more productive than a group of individuals right absolutely what led you to that idea
0: oh that's a great question i kind of just stumbled upon it um and i think it was uh, my church was doing an event where they volunteered together i noticed the volunteers had a different relationship everybody really got along together so i thought well the event's already set up why don't i just force uh i hate that word force but it was true (laughs) force my team to come do this with me and maybe we'll get that same kind of feeling that the team gets so we did it and i told the team they all had to do it and all had to be during lunch we were to use up one of our monthly lunch and learn lunches to go do this and i would buy them all lunch afterwards so we went and did it and they all liked it they're like oh yeah that was kind of cool it's different it was fun you know i said would you do it again like "Nah, probably not (laughs) <laughs> but, but we liked it, the fact you did it, and I said, "Okay, well, we're going to do it." You know, next quarter too, <laughs> and we did yeah, it. Yeah, and yeah. then it was just like after that second one, they started to like it, and they're like, w- w- "Where are we going next? Where are we going next?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I haven't planned this out yet. I, I don't know how it's going to go. We'll figure it out." And then they started saying, "Oh, I found this event. Can we go do this one? Oh, I found this. You know, soup kitchen just right down the road. Can we go instead of fill- doing soups? Can we make grilled cheese and burgers for them or something like outrageous that they're not used to getting?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. That's Let's do excellent." It. You know. Um, so that was one thing that I did. Um, another thing that I did was kind of, I um, heard in a, uh, um, I started going to HR conferences. That was another weird thing that I started doing because I wanted to learn more about the human portion. Yeah. And I heard yeah. someone talk about cultural norms and I didn't know any what a cultural norm was or cultural values or team values were. And I started thinking that, you know, this volunteer stuff that we're doing is kind of like team values and cultural norms. So I created what I called our IT code. It was just our rules that we live by. And um, creating that gave boundaries and guidelines of what we are as a team. And it gave people an an identity that, you know, this is what we do. And I can share some of those with you if you'd like. I don't know if that would be helpful. Absolutely,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So my code that I have is uh, um, the first, and they're not really in any particular order, but I mean, I was intentional about where I put them, but they're not ranked or anything like that. But the first one is we have each other's back. And the next one is we choose people over process. The next one is, uh, we question our assumptions. And then I have, uh, we think big, but start small. So in everything we, we change, we want to have a very small start to something that we intentionally think about as being a big change. Kind of like, the I, I wanted to build teamwork. Well, how can I do that? Well, maybe just volunteering for an hour, something really yeah, small. Start
1: small. Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: We don't create ways to ride them. So the idea there is we don't want to get involved in company gossip, or we don't want to start anything like that. And if something happens, we stay above it. Yeah. Um, we're intentional about our work don't do things just because it's always been done that way let's be intentional about why we do everything fail fast and recover faster is kind of one of those ideas of agile you know kind of wanted right, to, to right. move fast um, this next one's probably my favorite It's so we are not experts and we will keep a posture of a student always learning oh i love that one one of the problems that i fell into is i always thought that I'll, i knew everything about something and i got this arrogant approach of being hey, yeah, i know exactly how to do this i know what this is you know Get rid of that mindset. Get rid of the mindset of the fact that you got it. Get into that growth mindset of always learning. And when you have that posture of a student, always asking the questions and trying to figure out the different people's perspectives or why something's a certain way, you grow so much faster. And if we have that as a team, then no one's ever having that posture of being an expert. I always tell my people, we're not experts here. You know, Nobody's an expert. Right. You know, my Cisco guy's like, well, I'm a CCIE. Well, you're still not an expert. I know your certificate says you're an expert, but... You haven't seen everything.
1: Yep. So you still have more to learn.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, We have an, another one says, we make the complex seem simple. The idea is there is when we're talking to people, don't use acronyms. Don't use things that are complicated. Say it as simply as you possibly can. We make life easier for those around us. That's another one that I, that I really like. And then the last one is, we are here to serve, not be served.
1: That is a great code. I would love if, um, if we could maybe post a link to that on sure. the show notes so people can review those because I think uh, I think that would apply in a lot of IT shops. So we can talk after the show about how we might be able to do that. I appreciate you sharing yeah. that. We started the show with bad bosses or horrible bosses. Let's end on more of a positive note before we wrap up. Talk to me a little bit about a good boss that you had and were able to model your behaviors after them rather than the bad bosses can you can you think of one or two people that have really impacted you that were your bosses
0: yeah absolutely um you know i obviously would say my current boss is fantastic he's excellent and then my previous cio at the last company i was with was fantastic as well and they both have the same similar idea where they don't ever overreact to anything. Uh, And and I think that I used to get all worked up about certain things. If something went wrong, I think the world was ending and, you know, stress would always eat at me, but they, they have a mindset of never overreacting to anything. And one of the things that I learned from them was that no one's going to die here. We don't work in healthcare. We don't work for airline. No one's going to die if we make a mistake. So keep that mindset that it's not the end of the world. If you make a mistake, even if it's a detrimental mistake and you get fired over it, no one's going to die for that. There's yeah. always a, a rebound. So don't let it kill you. And then another thing that I learned from my boss is he has this saying that if you're trying, I'm not going to fire you. But if you see something wrong and you don't do anything about it, that's when you're going to get fired. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's that yeah, idea yeah. that, you know, go forward and give it your best shot. Try to fix the problem if you see a problem. But if you ignore the problem, then, then we've got trouble.
1: Right, right. That's great advice as, as well. John, this has been a fantastic conversation. I always like to wrap up with what action can our listeners take tomorrow? What's one or two things they can do differently tomorrow after listening to our conversation today?
0: Yeah, so I have two different takes. I want to want to go on that. So really two different actions, depending on where you are. If you're the leader of a group. And you don't have to be like the, the department head. You don't have to be a vice president. You don't have to be a CIO. But if you are, that's great too. But if you're just a middle manager, like I was for my team, take action, take your team somewhere where they can volunteer or serve together. Do it during everybody's lunch break and you pay for it. Pull out your credit card, buy their lunch, go do something together to help build that teamwork. Because I think that's crucial for building a good team. Even if you suck at everything else when it comes to leadership and management, <laughs> get the team working well together because they'll help do your job for you. For sure. Now, if you're below that level and you don't have any direct reports and you're not a manager at all, don't think that that doesn't apply to you, too. You can lead from any level right. and you can start the movement, too. Like I said, after, after my team started volunteering together, I didn't know where to take it. And my team started doing it for me. They started taking that approach and saying, hey, I found these events. Let's all go do this together. Offer that up. Even yeah. if you don't get any takers the first time or the second time, eventually you will. I had someone on my current team that wanted to do something together and they, they offered it up on our Slack channel. Uh, The first time, no one said they were interested. The second time, people said, well, maybe I will. Like two or three people went. The third time, then it was more people. And then it was an entire team event. So you can always take that approach and realize that you can lead from any level. And it might not happen the first time, but just stay at it. Be persistent. And um, you can make change.
1: That's fantastic advice. John, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And I think that our listeners have as well. So thank you very much.
0: No, thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it.
1: To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, go to intervision.com the show notes will provide links and contact information. And I encourage you to check out John's podcast, A Geek Leader. It's on my playlist whenever a new episode comes out. And I've learned a lot from uh, listening to his conversations with his guests. And I'm sure you will, too. This is Jeff Tun for John Rauta. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.